0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. This series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Libby Johnson, and I am a member of the ASHP section of Clinical Specialists and Scientists Clinical Leadership Advisory Group. I will be your host, and today we are sitting down with several speakers to discuss the possibilities are endless at the Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. We will be chatting with Megan Musselman, who is an Emergency Medicine Clinical Pharmacy Specialist, Team Lead, and PGY2 Emergency Medicine Residency Program Director at North Kansas City Hospital. Megan Corrigan, who is the Director of Pharmacy and Emergency Management at Advocate Good Samaritan Hospital. Chris Edwards, an Assistant Professor at University of Arizona College of Pharmacy. Kate Gibson, an Associate Professor and Interim Director of International Programs at Virginia Commonwealth University. And Nick Gazda, Assistant Director at Cone Health. We are going to talk to them about how to make the most out of mid-year and their upcoming educational sessions at the ASHP Mid-Year 2023 meeting. Thank you for joining us today, everyone. We are going to start with focusing on talking with Megan Musselman, our section of clinical scientists and specialist chair elect about the mid-year experience. So Megan, tell us how often you attend the mid-year clinical meeting and what it is that keeps you coming back year after year. Yes, of course.
0: First of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me, but I'm very excited to speak about my experience with the Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. So I have actually been attending the Mid-Year Clinical Meeting since I was a student. So a little over 15 years at this point. So you know, it's very exciting to get one of those ribbons that have all the years of experience at this point. Um, and I have almost attended Mid-Year every year um, as well, just missed a couple here or there, but for the most part, I have been in attendance. There are a multitude of reasons why I continue to participate and attend the meeting. However, it is really hard for me to narrow it down to just a couple of things, but I would like to bring a few aspects um, to your attention that I really enjoy. The first one would be the section of clinical specialists and scientists roundtables and the other networking sessions. These are a great way to connect with colleagues throughout the nation. In addition, it allows you to see what others are doing in other parts of the country and builds new connections or reconnect with old. I also enjoy participating in all the poster sessions. It is a great way for me to generate new ideas, share practice ideas as well. There is also a wide variety of poster sessions and topic areas provided throughout the entire meeting. The meeting also provides a diverse range of not only topics, but practice types and patient
1: populations.
0: The one thing I think I would say I enjoy the most about mid-year is that there is something
1: for everyone. Thank you, Megan. I definitely agree with you on poster sessions. I feel like you pick up little practice gems from people all over the country, which is really helpful. So my next question for you is, do you have any advice for conference goers on how to decide what sessions they will be attending? So I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert by any
0: means, because I'll be honest with you, looking at the schedule at times can be a tad overwhelming, trying to look at all, all of it. Um, I've gotten more used to looking at it online. I'm going to admit a uh, I still am a person who gets the uh, AGHP magazine and I still take it. Yes, you can judge me, but I still like the paper. I can't help it. But I like looking at the schedule, circling things and figuring those things out. But you have the capabilities of doing that online as well. And I think that's a great way to figure out different topics that may interest you and get a feel for what is being offered. Once you start to get an idea of what you may be interested in, you can view the full schedule for further information, including who the speakers are and objectives for those sessions. One thing that's also really nice is you can create your own itinerary um, once you find those sessions that are of interest to you, and it will create reminders for you, and you can also download the handouts for those sessions. I cannot stress enough, don't judge a session by the cover. While it is easy to choose areas in which you have comfort, this is a great venue to get outside of your comfort zone and find sessions that would not be something that you would normally gravitate to. I think it is always good to go to at least one session you know nothing about. It helps you learn more about advances in pharmacy and opportunities that you may not normally explore. Most importantly, it helps expand your networking.
1: So since mid-year really only rotates between a few cities, and you have 15 years of experience of going, I'm sure you've spent a decent amount of time in Anaheim over the past decade. So what is a must-do activity while in Anaheim, and do you have any favorite restaurants that people must try?
0: So Anaheim, I would say, is a much different pace than Vegas, just going to put that out there. But I also enjoy that it's a different pace and a different atmosphere, and who doesn't love the weather? I mean, coming on, coming from the Midwest, I got to say this time of year, I really don't mind going to Anaheim and um, seeing some sunshine. It's also the home to Disneyland, and downtown Disney is a short drive or walk, depending on where you're staying. Anaheim also has diverse dining options, and if you have the ability to get away from the meeting for a little bit, beautiful beaches are just a short drive away. In addition, just outside the convention center during lunchtime, which I always like to enjoy, there is a variety of food truck options that allow you to have a convenient lunch and enjoy the wonderful weather and just take a little mindful break prior to going back to the sessions and networking. Another couple of fun areas that I've enjoyed visiting when I've been in Anaheim is the Anaheim Packing District. It's very unique, it's culturally diverse and it has different culinary experiences. Another great way to see what Anaheim has to offer is to go to the website visitanaheim.org. It helps provide an overview of different events around the Anaheim-Orange County area, as well as a variety of dining or nightlife options, and as well as different events that could be happening. Sometimes there's concerts going on, so maybe you could catch a concert or other sporting events. Anaheim definitely provides a little bit for everyone, depending on what you're looking for.
1: So earlier, you mentioned the SCSS roundtables as a must do. So tell me more about the roundtables and what type of experience attendees will get there.
0: So I know I mentioned the roundtables earlier. These used to be called networking sessions. So again, I'm dating how long I've been going to this meeting, but we have evolved to where they're now called roundtables and they are one of my favorite sessions. The level of collaboration, idea, generation, and discussion is top-notch. There's no better way to get real-time feedback and experiences from your colleagues that may be facing the same challenges that you are, including drug shortages, different practice areas, or just trying to put new protocols into place. In addition, they can share success stories as well, allowing you to identify opportunities or programs that you can take back to your practice site and implement. In addition, some roundtables have poster sessions associated with them, such as pediatrics and emergency medicine. Not only do you get to share knowledge and information with pharmacists in the area, but you also get to see dedicated projects and research in that practice area as well, which is really nice and well attended. While there are many different levels of participation that you can have during the session, anywhere from just knowledge sharing to active listening, you are guaranteed to walk away with new information or a new connection that will instantly impact your practice.
1: Thank you, Megan. We're gonna give her a little break and now we're gonna hear about a few of the sessions that are being offered at the Mid-Year Clinical Meeting this year. We have five sessions we want to highlight, and we will start with Chris. So Chris, please tell us about your session, Codes That Make You Tachycardic, and why conference attendees should come to your talk.
2: Thanks. I'm really excited about this one. So Codes That Make You Tachycardic is all about codes in special populations, right? So we've all attended some emergency scenario where you have a patient who is, you know, uh, very, very large or a patient who's pregnant. And or a kid, and these things change the dynamic enough that it tends to make people a little bit nervous, a little bit hesitant, right? Even if you've been to a number of codes in the adult population, when you start to see these uh, special populations, it can make you hesitant and it can make you really want to uh, take a deep breath, look things up and make sure that you're ready to go. This session is geared towards intermediate to advanced practitioners. Uh, We're gonna be talking again about pediatrics, uh, obesity and uh, pregnancy um we do a lot of interactive uh cases uh dr brian Erstead and i spent a lot of time in the sim lab, uh, sim lab coming up with some video cases uh that i think are going to be pretty cool and there is a uh, cameo of uh, spongebob so a lot of fun to be had there yeah it should be great dr nicole kisto is also joining us to talk about pregnancy uh she'll be closing us out so it should be a really awesome session uh it occurs tuesday at 8 a.m i hope to see you all there
1: all right. Thank you, Chris. As an emergency medicine pharmacist as well, definitely a session I would probably be attending at the mid-year. And so now we are going to hear from Megan Corrigan, and she is going to talk to us about her session, Establishing Emergency Management and Health System Pharmacy.
3: Thanks, Libby. Um, I'm definitely excited to be here to talk about the presentation that I'm giving at mid-year with my colleagues from Advocate Health, Maggie Lundholm and Nick Waddell. As you mentioned, the title of our presentation is Establishing Emergency Management in Health System Pharmacy, and it will be on Sunday, December 3rd at 8 a.m. I'm really excited to present on this topic, not only because I love emergency management, but also because I think health systems need to start thinking collectively about emergency management. Um, When we created this presentation, our hospital system was 27 hospitals across two states. It has since grown to many more hospitals across a larger region but we noticed we didn't really have a consistent approach for pharmacy-specific emergency management. Each hospital was kind of doing their own thing and as a service line, nothing was streamlined. So we were all kind of paddling in our own directions. So we were asked as a pharmacy, um, like this, a pharmacy system to look and create a service line business continuity plan. And that's when we quickly realized that we had an opportunity to start working across all of our hospitals, all of our services to engage interested pharmacy leaders in creating a robust plan that was just specific to pharmacy. Um, The presentation discusses some background about emergency management, how to create a pharmacy-specific hazard vulnerability assessment, as well as how to create a pharmacy emergency management team that is just pharmacists and technicians. Um, We'll share our journey and discuss our lessons learned, what worked well and what definitely didn't work well and then how we engage different areas within pharmacy to ensure we have a robust and deployable plan um we also have some time for interactive participation in a real-life scenario um, so we can evaluate how attendees are truly prepared and i think a unique aspect to this presentation versus maybe presentations in the past on emergency management is that we looked at, uh, we're looking at emergency management from a service line lens, not just an individual hospital lens. We talk about outpatient pharmacies, packaging centers, um, off-site order verification, courier services, and so much more, because these are all such integral parts of the pharmacy world, and we don't consider planning for downtimes in any of those. Additionally, we need to make sure all health systems are kind of paddling together in the same direction, not duplicating work, um, and making sure that plan is comprehensive. So we'll go over all those things. And we hope that by highlighting our journey as a health system, we can spark interest for others um, to ask the hard question if their health system is actually prepared. So uh, there's a quotation that we like to say. um, It's by Benjamin Franklin. It says, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So I hope our session will help people so they do not fail. And we'll see you bright and early at 8 a.m. on December 3rd.
1: Thank you, Megan. That sounds like an awesome session and something that you've already just in those two minutes have sparked my mind asking myself a lot of questions about my current health system. (laughs) Um, So now we're going to hear from Kate Gibson and she is going to talk to us about the next generation in anticoagulation.
4: Thank you so much. Yes, I'm really excited about this talk that I'm giving with my colleague Dr. Megan Westling at the University of North Texas. Uh, This is kind of a two-part talk, and it's really meant to review a couple of different things. The first is underutilization of anticoagulation and really thinking about chronic disease management and the use of oral agents, primarily DOACs. And so in the first part of our talk, we're going to review some of those common barriers to initiating or maintaining patients on anticoagulation and really what we as pharmacists can do to address these concerns. Uh, And then in the second part of our discussion, we are going to be talking about some novel agents that are in the pipeline of drug development. And these are our factor 11 and factor 11a inhibitors. And so, to take us down a quick walk down memory lane um, back to pharmacy school when we had to memorize that dreaded coagulation cascade, uh, we know that the main agents that we're using these days are our DOACs and that these really target factors 2A and 10A. And so, these are components of the common pathway um, of coagulation. And so, these novel agents, they actually work upstream of that. They work specifically in the intrinsic pathway of of coagulation, which is really what we consider to be our pathologic clotting. And so the thought with these agents is we wonder if we could preserve helpful clotting, right, the type of clotting we need when we undergo surgeries or when we get a cut, um, but really interrupt pathologic clotting uh, by working upstream of that common pathway. So what we'll be doing is we'll be sort of reviewing the theory behind these agents and discussing a number of agents that are currently in the pipeline, as well as reviewing what literature is available uh, right now in these in these agents and and really identifying opportunities for where they may be able to fill some holes in our practice. Um, we promise to keep you very much engaged. Uh, this will be a really fun talk. We'll have a number of interactive components, and without giving away too many spoilers, they'll even be a little bit of a skit in which I will um, make a little bit of a fool out of myself. So I think it will be really fun. I hope you get to come and attend. Our session is going to be on Monday afternoon at two p.m., and we really hope to see you there.
1: Thank you, Kate. As someone who has been out longer than I'd like to admit, and a Pixaban is a new drug since I went to pharmacy school, I always appreciate the sessions teaching us about new drugs coming out to help me stay on top of things. So that sounds awesome. So now we are going to go back to Ms. Megan Musselman, and she is going to talk to us about her session at the mid-year meeting, Dazed and Confused.
0: Thanks, Libby. Yeah. So Dr. Jenny Kale and myself are holding an intensive study and clinical session that is also available for BCPS or BCCCP credit. Um, if you are wanting to obtain BPS credit, though, I do want to note that you do have to pay additional fee, but anyone is welcome to attend. You do not have to pay a fee. You could just come and listen Um, As Libby said, our session is entitled Dazed and Confused, Clearing the Haze for the Recognition and Treatment of Hyperactive Delirium with Severe Agitation. This has been an evolving process in the emergency medicine and critical care world. Um, This syndrome formerly was called excited delirium, but since then, as we've gotten more knowledgeable on this progression and syndrome, we're starting to learn that it is more a constellation of symptoms, and we're collectively calling it hyper. Um, hyperactive delirium with severe agitation. So we, um, Dr. Kale and I will be using an interactive case-based approach. Um, discussing how to properly identify a patient with hyperactive delirium and severe agitation, discuss effective treatment options and monitoring, as well as best practices that one can implement within their own institutions. I am sad to report that there will be no cameos of SpongeBob in our session. And so unfortunately, we won't be able to do that. But we are immediately after the 5K, so you can run right over on Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. and join our session. We would be happy to see you there.
1: Thank you, Megan. If I was a runner, I would run over, but you know, I'll stick to walking um, probably. And so our final um, speaker at Midyear we're going to hear from is Nick Gazda, and he's going to talk to us about his session, Practice Enhancing Intervention about the Medication Use Process.
5: Hey, yes, thank you very much. Um, we actually have sister sessions on practice enhancing interventions about the medication use process. At the midyear, um, this year, so we're really excited about those presentations. Um, so a little bit of background of this: um, it's actually an annual publication series that we do in AJHP, and um, we have two po- publications: one that focuses on acute care, and one that focuses on ambulatory care. Um, and for the last couple of years, we've uh, presented this as a gem session at the midyear. Um, the publication uh, reviews top published articles from the previous year around the medication use process and summarizes trends uh, from that previous year so that we can kind of consolidate that and package it in a way for for leaders and practitioners to see the latest trends in the medication use process. Uh, this Pearl session, uh, specifically at the mid year, invites authors from the AJHP articles in particular that were identified in our annual publication. To speak uh, in a few minutes about their publication that was identified and why it was impactful for the medication use process. Um, we also have some time built into the sessions. Um, uh, um, as authors of the publication to just kind of review some of the trends we found and highlight um, some of the advances in pharmacy practice. So we're really excited to be able to share the work that the authors have done that the HHP authors have invested um, in um, the medication use process. I think uh, as pharmacists, we're generally really good at highlighting um, your heavy clinical topics and evaluating clinical literature, but it's, in, it's incredibly important as pharmacy leaders that we um, foster best practices and pharmacy operations, clino- implementation of clinical programs, ensuring safe medication practices, and do that in an um, evidence-based way with um, evaluating the literature. Um, and as I mentioned, in the last couple of years, we've We've kind of evolved it and expanded into um, an acute care and ambulatory care uh, focus um, separately just because we've um, identified the big kind of shift towards care in the ambulatory space and the need for pharmacists and uh, pharmacy leadership in that space as well. So, um, again, really excited to share um, in our sessions, uh, our two sessions will be on Sunday, the acute care focused one at 10 a.m. and the ambulatory care focused one at 1 p.m.
1: Thank you, Nick. That sounds like a really great knowledge sharing session and really find out, you know, what the great things are that other places are doing. So to wrap it up, our last question is, is there any advice for new practitioners who are attending the meeting for the first time as a non-student or resident? And so we're going to hear from Miss Megan Corrigan first.
3: Sure. Um, So my advice to new practitioners who are attending for the first time, besides to have fun, because it you are taking a little bit of a break from work, is to take some time to look at the sessions before you arrive in Anaheim. Uh, Megan mentioned it before, but don't, don't wait till you get your badge to start to see what Midyear has to offer. There are so many sessions and it can be really overwhelming um, to try to look through them to see who you want to see or what topics you want to listen to. So look at the offerings, maybe even make a rough schedule or itinerary before you get there. Um, a good way to do this is to visit the ASHP website, download the app, or if you are like Megan, you can bring your hard copy of AJHP and circle the sessions you would like to go to. Thank you, Megan. That is great advice. How
1: about you, Chris? What's your advice?
2: So, my big advice would be uh, hang around, right? I think that there's always this temptation after a session to just get out of there as quickly as possible, go hide out in your hotel room, take a nap, whatever. Um, But the more time you spend around the convention center, the more likely you are to bump into somebody new, an old friend, an old colleague. Um, So really just kind of spend time at the convention center, linger after sessions, go up and talk to the speakers. It's really a a great opportunity for networking. And if you're hiding out in your hotel room, uh, you're not going to have those opportunities. So
1: I definitely agree with that, Chris. I can think of a few times I've just hung around with you and chatted at the mid-year meeting. So always a good time. All right, Kate, what's your advice?
4: Yeah, well, I think so far the advice has been really excellent and I second all of it. I think what I would add is... When you're coming out of residency mode, when you're coming out of school mode, we're just so used to being overwhelmed and just go go go. Uh, what I would really encourage you to do is just give yourself the gift of having a few days to invest in yourself and to just learn and to network and to meet people. I know for me, it's very hard to fight that temptation to multitask when I'm in a session, but I also know I'm not going to get as much out of it. And so, as much as you can, try to disconnect from your phone, try to disconnect from your email, and really just give yourself the gift of being present and and taking the time to learn and to invest in yourself as a pharmacist. Um, Really just be present in the moment. Uh, You're worth it. You're worth the time. And it's just a really great gift you can give yourself.
1: That is really great advice that I especially need to hear. I'm notorious with work emails, bad habits. So Nick, how about you?
5: yeah absolutely I, th- I think it's definitely the networking for me it's uh it's such a unique conference um where you have all these pharmacists and leaders and, and learners and folks at different levels um so it's a really great opportunity to get exposure um, put yourself out there meet some new folks um and definitely with the world we live in now even network with own folks from your for your own institutions um you know i find a lot of the times with our Health systems being so large, we're we're just on virtual meetings all day. So use it as an opportunity to network with your leaders at your institution and your pharmacist at where where you work as well. And and use it as a time to kind of get out of the office and have some of that idea sharing and just some, you know, wind down time. So definitely use it for the networking.
1: Absolutely agree. And our final advice giver will be from Megan.
0: So everybody's given great advice. I'm just gonna add one little other piece of advice um, that I had mentioned earlier. With this meeting providing such a diverse array of offerings and topics, it is a perfect opportunity to go outside of your comfort zone and learn something new. So attend a session you know nothing about. Go in, be vulnerable, see what you can learn um, and you may find interest or see, hey, this new thing they're doing, this can translate here or oh my goodness, I didn't even know we could do that with all the new advances in technology, all the new things that we're doing in specialty pharmacy, all of those types of things constantly um, evolving within our profession. It's a great way to um, keep uh, just invigorating you within this profession
1: by seeing what's going on around you. Thank you, Megan. And that's all the time we have today. I wanna thank the Megans, Chris, Nick and Kate for joining us today to discuss the upcoming mid-year meeting. All of our speakers will be presenting at the Mid-Year meeting coming up in December. To find out more information about this session and the rest of ASHP's educational program offered, visit midyear.ashp.org or contact us at educserv.ashp.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We look forward to seeing you at our conference in December.
0: Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare.